BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Tuesday, November 21st starts now. Returning for today's program to update us on the state of the city government in Chicago, the man who knows it all, Dave Gloatz. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, what to do over the Thanksgiving break when you're off work, you need to head to ChicagoReader.com. And if you like Ben Jarofsky and want to know what he's doing this Thanksgiving, you should head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Biss Ways in Tuesday, and here's why. Because yesterday, Mayor Dan Biss, the mayor of Evanston. Yeah, you know Dan Biss. He ran for governor in 2018. You can go back that far. Come on, listeners of the Ben Jarofsky Show. Oh, yeah, Dan Biss. Weighed in with his opinions of Northwestern's proposed entertainment facility. I have to laugh, ladies and gentlemen. He voted for it. Five to four was the vote. I kind of knew it was going to go down uh, anyway. But this just shows. I always tell people, they go, Ben, are you're from Chicago, right? I go, no, I'm from Evanston. And Evanston is so different than Chicago. All right. So here's a vote where they're allowing some multi-gazillion dollar entity, Northwestern, to build a football stadium concert arena on property that Northwestern already owns. If this were the city of Chicago, it would have been done like this. Okay, and then Mayor Rahm or Mayor Daly or Mayor Lightfoot or Mayor Johnson would have said, this is great for Chicago. That's all they did. They wouldn't. But no, Dan Biss sends out this long email explaining the ins and the outs of his decisions. He's like, you, you, they kind of like got to treat Evanstonians with like, a, like a respect in a way in Chicago they would never do. And Chicago would be, shut up. This is good for you. It's for rich people. All you need to know about economic development in the city of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen, if the economic development dollars go to rich people, it's good for you. If it goes to poor people, mm, that's not good. That's a waste of money. Tomorrow, I'll discuss a little bit uh, about uh, the Tribune's coverage of Bring Chicago Home. Without further ado, we're bringing on the great journalist, Dave Glowatz, for another session, another episode of City Council Follies. Welcome back, Dave. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Ben, does it seem like there's been a lot of city council meetings lately? Yes, there. it does seem that way. Is that, and in fact, a reality? That's why it is, yeah, because there's just been a lot of city council meetings. So we're not gonna, today we're not going to cover all of them. We're just going to cover maybe one or two. Okay. And the one that I'd like to focus on uh, first is the one from November 7, 2023. Um, that one is what's remarkable about it. It started pretty late. Usually these things start at 10 a.m. in the morning. This one started at 1223, they say. And um, 
because there was a rules committee meeting just prior, which was scheduled for 1030, which is a story unto itself. But <clears throat> there's some background. Chris, we're gonna, please, we're gonna do hug first. Um, there's some background for this first piece we're gonna play and it doesn't have anything to do with legislation. It's more of a, um, I don't know, what would you call it? A drama that unfolded, city council drama that, you know, one of the reasons that we, we like to talk about the city council because it's so rife with drama. Um, ben, do you want to talk, maybe you could set this up for me, tell us what um, happened the week before uh, the effort by Alderman to schedule a meeting that didn't happen. Yes, and uh, this we've talked so much about this on the show, and um, I uh, asked Dave to include this uh, so we could hear exactly how it went down on the floor, but as everybody knows, not everybody knows, as many of you know, uh, the... Um, the anti-Johnson faction in the city council, which is led by Ray Lowe, Alderman Raven Lopez of the 15th Ward and Anthony Beal of the 9th Ward, uh, have been maneuvering to get on the ballot a question to the voters. Should Chicago strip itself of its status as a sanctuary city? I can go on and on and on how meaningless this is uh, as a ballot referendum, but it would send a message. It would send a symbol, and that symbol would be that Chicago is drifted to the right. It's more Trump-like than it used to be, and it does not want immigrants, well, at least immigrants coming from the southern border. Immigrants from the Ukraine are always welcome in the city of Chicago, apparently. There's uh, it's a complicated issue. I urge everybody to check out the Juan Gonzalez interview I did last week anyway. So uh, Mayor Johnson did not want that uh, matter on the ballot because he didn't want uh, Chicago to uh, have the reputation of being a Trump city, particularly uh, as we welcome Joe Biden and the Democrats to this city in the summer of uh, 2024 for the convention. So he was maneuvering to try uh, to deny uh, Ray Lowe and Anthony Beal a quorum, uh, so uh, they would not be able to uh, vote on getting the matter on the ballot. Uh, and as such, his floor leader, Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa, was assigned the task of torpedoing the meeting, keeping it from happening, keeping it from uh, getting the quorum it needed. Uh, and so he positioned himself at the door leading from the back rooms to the city council chambers to keep alder people off the floor. And he had an exchange with alderwoman Emma Mitz that Raylo claimed was a case of manhandling, which we now know that Raylo, stay out of journalism. Your accuracy is not really uh, on target. 15th Ward uh, Alderman Ray Lopez. That is correct. 15th Ward Alderman uh, Ray Lopez. Uh, and uh, But one thing led to another uh, became a uh, it, Carlos Ramirez Rosa became a political liability to Mayor Brandon Johnson, uh, and eventually he was forced to resign as the mayor's floor leader and as the chair of the zoning committee. Paid a heavy price uh, for what went down on that Thursday when in his efforts to prevent a quorum from happening. And by the way, they did not have a quorum, so he succeeded in that result. There was no quorum for that meeting, so that is. A synopsis of what went down, Dave. Okay, so the um, <clears throat> the thing that Alderman Lopez was trying to get a vote on is to, as you mentioned, get a, a referendum on the March ballot for voters to weigh in on whether Chicago should remain a sanctuary city, <clears throat> which does not officially affect how 
uh, how and when migrants are being bused to Chicago, but it would be a, a statement. And we're gonna listen to um, what happened at the November 7 city council meeting for the key principles, that's redundant, for the principles involved in uh, this story. This clip starts with 37th Ward Alderman Emma Mitz. Emma Mitz, let's listen. At 9.49 a.m., I was sent a text from my floor leader. My text message read, good morning, Emma. I want to let you know that today's special meeting would not have a quorum. So if you have things to do in your ward, focus on that instead of wasting time coming downtown. I'm like, wow, but I'm already here. So when we had the first roll call as I came in, our floor leader Rosa came over to me and he says, do you know that the migrants get offended when they hear you all talking about them? I replied, my community get offended when our resources are being driven and taken away from us because of this Thank issue. That. that was our first roll call for porn. There was a second roll call. Chairman Rosa told me afterward, he said, you know, you shouldn't be in here. I said, well, why are you bothering me? He says, because the rest of your colleagues are idiots. He said, you're a chairman. In between the chaos and the maneuver of the meeting, there was a meeting held for capital improvement economics in 201A, which I was a member of, so we went to go to the meeting. And as we were conducting econ meeting, someone came in and said they need a roll call again. So everybody leaves out of that particular meeting to come back into city council. How happened I had to be the last one to come in that door? And I don't know what video and media are showing, but I came into contact with just Armand Rosen myself there. And he says, you can't go into this meeting where I was literally blocked at that door, not manhandling, but more or less facing me. Alderman Coleman came out and she happened to see this incident. And for whatever reason, I saw Alderman Lopez come out because I couldn't go in, that he moved you out of the way so that I could come into the council chamber. I take that stuff seriously. I don't call people's idiots, never would. I've been in this council 24 years. I am 68 years old. I have seen a lot in my lifetime of a struggle. And Autumn Rose, learn a little wisdom. Always take a high road. I told you I was doing mines and represent my community. I have to hear it from them every day, every single day. And if I had not came here, then they want to know where am I? I would be getting protest against. Do you realize that? Never let your position take over you. You make the position. The position don't make you. Never. We have titles. No one respect us until we work our titles. I appreciate you allowing me to be able to speak this morning because there was a time I could speak. So I really felt what women go through, in particular these women of color that don't have a voice, 
I am that voice for them today. And I pray that this council, that we can come together. And thank you. You did apologize this morning to me. First time we talked. Apology is good, but you got to have some action behind it. And I'm looking for the action moving forward. That no retaliation, no one has a right to retaliate because one speaks their mind. No one. I'm willing to work along with you because we have to represent all the people in Chicago. I don't want a divisive city. The chair recognizes Alderman Rosa. Mr. President, I rise to apologize to my colleague, Alderwoman Emma Mitz, to all of my colleagues, to this council for my actions last week, Thursday. Thursday's special meeting was chaotic, tensions were high. I dramatically overreacted to the intensity of what was happening in that meeting. And there's no excuse for that. I sincerely apologize to you, my colleague, Alderwoman Emma Mitz, for the disrespectful interaction that we had outside of council chambers and for my overzealous attempts throughout the day to try and convince you not to be part of the quorum. I should have never done that to you. I should have never put you in that position. I also apologize to Alderwoman Nicole Lee, Alderman Felix Cardona, Alderman Chris Taliaferro, Alderman Desmond Yancey for my disrespectful words and actions. I'm deeply sorry. And I apologize to our mayor for letting you down in my leadership roles. I cannot take away the mistakes I made last week, but I hope to be able to rebuild the trust that we have in each other as we move forward as a council that addresses the important things impacting the city of Chicago. There's two things I want to zoom in on here, Ben. Uh, the first is um, <clears throat> Mitz talks about well, apologies are good, but uh, there shouldn't be any retribution. And I know that this is a point that you like to like to hammer on now and again. That uh, this is a the city, the city of Chicago, and people in government really like to have a fight and like to have a grudge. Mm -hmm. And so this is that is to me was Mitz sort of acknowledging that phenomenon and saying, "Okay, <laughs> don't be don't be being that way." Yeah. Your take. Yeah, uh, I I've thought so much about this uh, matter, Dave, because I think it's 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 symbolic of so many things. Um, and to this point that you're making, Chicago very much is a city that thrives on retaliatory culture from all aspects of Chicago, gang culture, crime culture, you know, uh, mobster culture and political culture. So like you hit me, I hit you back twice. That's how we do it in Chicago. In yep. Chicago's tough. Chicago's got that this attitude that to, to show how tough you are, you have to be rude and crude and mean. I always opening with that, like Evanston, Evanston's bending over backwards, you know, Dan Biss and Evanston to be conciliatory and respectful and lay out why he's doing it. Man, Mayor Rahm would never do anything like that. Shut up, vote my way. You know, and then he'd get the Tribune and cranes to hammer anybody who didn't vote his way. So uh, this is a good sign, in my humble opinion, that um, maybe that culture is starting to change in in, in Chicago and that uh, older people are going to have to respect those who don't agree with them and don't try to use their power to, like, force somebody uh, to do something. 
as soon as I say that, Dave, I sound naive. Okay, you know what I mean. Uh, well, there are others on there, are other council members yeah. who share that uh, skepticism too, which we're going to hear later on. Yeah. Uh, a second point, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, this is a this is a, a um, quiz question mm-hmm. in the Illinois legislature. Let's take the House of Representatives. Who is Governor J.B. Fritzker's floor leader? You know? Oh, God. I have absolutely no idea. What about the state Senate? Um, the state Senate? Uh, I I have even less of an idea. The reason, a possibility you, the reason is. you have no idea is because they don't exist. Whoa! <laughs> so the idea that the mayor has uh, a factotum I know that's a word that I learned from you. Among the city council members to push the mayor's agenda is to me as anomalous as having the mayor lead the city council meeting. So now, uh, now that Rosa has resigned from his floor leader position in disgrace, there is no floor leader. And there was a press release that came out from uh, mayor's office on uh, November 16th announcing a, a new deputy mayor of intergovernmental affairs whose job, among other things, will be to um, <clears throat> work with the city council to pass, to quote, pass transformative, le- transformative legislation for the working people and families of the city of Chicago, unquote. And that person's name is Sydney Holman. And that is a woman, yeah. So uh, it's a new day, perhaps even in other ways. Yeah, I uh, I always thought that the mayor, the title of mayor's floor leader, is one of these plums that they created under Daly. Uh, well, no, it's, it goes back before Baby Daly. It goes all the way back to Daddy Daly. Just a plum, like you know, uh, make the alderman feel important and significant. You know, I'm the mayor's floor leader. Oh, did I tell you I was the mayor's floor leader? Uh, in reality, the mayor Daly. I'll do a Baby Daly because that's what most of our listeners. That's as far back as our memory goes. Baby Daly didn't need a floor leader. It's like all a baby Daly had to do was say, this is how I want you to vote. In fact, you remember, you're old enough to remember there was an alderman, uh, Fred Rohde in the first ward. And most aldermen would just wait and see what Fred did. And like, if Fred Rohde voted yes, that meant the mayor wanted you to vote yes. And so down the line. uh, Very very convenient. uh, Yeah, right. Oh, Fred Rohde said yes. God help us all. If Fred Rohde makes a mistake and votes no, the mayor baby daily would be like all oh, red in the face uh so you really don't need a floor leader uh it's just a plum in my humble opinion and to carlos's point i've made this point many times i feel that in many ways uh, it was brandon johnson in the administration that dropped the ball on this and it should never have come to carlos ramirez rosa standing in the hallway like you know trying to block emma mitts from entering it was ridiculous and by the way put it on their ballot why are we afraid of this vote? Use it to get your people to come out. I mean, just this, it's so anti-democratic to block a question from the people of Chicago because you may be embarrassed by how they vote. If Chicago's ready to become Trump city, then let let it become Trump city. Uh, I, I Just the whole thing I found, I just didn't understand the the strategy behind it. Maybe things will be changed, uh, will be different. Now they finally have an intergovernmental uh, person. They should have had somebody like that from the get-go 
working with the city council. So I think Carlos Ramirez Rosa did a good job for Mayor Brandon Johnson, by and large, pushing his mayoral agenda without somebody in the IGA's office. Uh, and uh, yeah, he kind of lost his mind on this one. <laughs> you know, he, and we'll uh, see if we need violence interrupters in the city council. Yes. Yeah. This, by the way, was minor compared to some of the battles in the city council. Uh, we've had uh, my, I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, Bernie Stone yelling at Luis Gutierrez, little pipsqueak. I'll never forget that in the 1980s. So, you know, it's, uh, there have been skirmishes in the city council before. Uh, so this is not the first skirmish. But your point's a very good one. We don't need a floor leader. You know, <laughs> you have people paid to do that job uh, in the uh, uh, intergovernmental office. So if you have people paid to do the job, you don't need an alderman to do it as well, in my and, humble and, and we don't, I think, as people who like democracy, don't want the executive branch suborning members of the legislative branch. <clears throat> So well, you know, that, 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 okay, well, we'll get into that later, but that happens so often. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm being uh, idealistic here. Okay, yes, ideal. idealistically, <laughs> yes. Allow me, allow me my idealism, yes. which may, I may lose by the end of this interview. <laughs> uh, Chris, please, we're going to do censor next. Um, so things went along. They did a bunch of business after that segment that we heard uh, committee reports and things but at some point um alderman scott wagsbeck the 32nd ward asked to suspend the rules and to um pose something and we're going to hear what he posed in this clip and it starts with alderman wagsbeck let's listen i'd like to be recognized to make a motion for censure of one of our colleagues okay you are recognized I did attend Thursday's meeting because I was not in favor of voting down the welcoming city ordinance, but I believe it is my duty as an elected official to show up, debate the issue, and work toward a vote. But no matter the subject matter or where you stand on it, what happened on Thursday should be unacceptable in this body. So I'm calling for this censure because of the obvious need to restore decorum and mete out some form of discipline. This effort is to have this body go on record that we as a body do not accept this type of behavior exhibited by our colleague, Alderman Ramirez Rosa, last week. Apologies, like earlier today, are very important and should be acknowledged, and I see that it was graciously accepted. But the actions that took place on that day, on that Thursday, do require censure. They were beyond the pale and unbecoming of our colleague. Alderman Hopkins. I rise on a point of order, uh, the assumption being that the uh, motion presented before us by Alderman Wagaspeck invokes Rule 50. In anticipation of that, we did some fairly extensive research. There is no precedent anywhere in city council history that we were able to find where an act of censure was presented and voted upon by this body for an act that occurred outside of this chamber, not during the meeting in question. And that description applies to the act that we are describing here. It took place outside of this chamber, granted very close, and it did not take place during this meeting. Therefore, Mr. President, I suggest this motion is out of order, and I would ask that you rule accordingly. There's a point of order. The chair recognizes Alder Lee. All due respect to my colleague, Alderman Hopkins, I was subject to a threat where I sat right here in this chamber while the meeting was going on. So just for clarification. 
Alder Fuentes. We have watched our colleague publicly accept criticism on Twitter, on the headline of every newspaper, turned on your TV in the last few days. We've watched this story unravel. I ask our colleagues to allow for a process of healing and reconciliation to begin. Today is not the end of that process. I want folks to acknowledge what restorative justice is. Today, that was the beginning of healing and reconciliation. But I also want to recognize when we are beginning a dangerous path of also causing harm. Today, I believe that our colleague Rosa has begun a process of accountability, of admitting wrongs, and committing to a process and a path that allows him to make amends and restore trust and build relationships that are important. A public reprimand does not help us. Alder Lee. Colleague over here just asked me if I was okay, looking at the look on my face. I'm not okay because I hate that we are all talking about this right now. That there was a question about whether or not what happened to me happened in this chamber. And I know it's a technical rule, but I sat in this seat when I got that threat. And that's exactly how I took it. Nobody should be able to abuse their position to gain what they want. I am not part of a caucus. I joke about the Asian caucus. There's two of us. I'm part of one body here, one body of older people. And the censure is the one way that we as a body can acknowledge that certain behaviors are unacceptable in this chamber and as we as colleagues work together. I'm not asking you to vote one way or another because that's up to you. I'm here to speak for myself. I don't ever want anybody speaking for me. I am in support of this censure, not because I'm out for more blood or that I think that this is not part of the healing process. In fact, I think this is the first step in the healing process for me. Alderman Napolitano. I'm asking you what we're doing here right now. Like to have this conversation right now after you heard multiple aldermen stand up and be strong and come out and say how this was affecting them when you know that many people have already gotten to them and told them to keep their mouths shut. Like Alderman Lee had stated, not all of us are in caucuses. Not all of us were chosen to be chairman of a committee. Not all of us are on the inside. So that means not all of us are afforded the favoritism of hopefully sweeping this under the rug and just making it go away. Because I know if it was me, I know for a fact I would not be letting these doors because I'm on the outside. I'm not giving aldermanic prerogative when I ask for people to support something that my ward doesn't want because I'm on the outside. If you vote no on this for what it exactly is and how it's labeled, even though we tried to loophole it, as always, it happened in these chambers. After this uh, set of debates, the council did vote on um, <clears throat> the not on the censure, but on the motion <clears throat> that this was out of order because uh, the, the mayor ruled it out of order uh, because of, as Alderman Hopkins pointed out, rule 50 of the council's rules says that censure, an act that is censured has to happen during the actual day of the meeting in which it's censured. Mm. So they took a vote on the mayor's uh, ruling it out of order and it came up as a tie vote. And uh, the mayor cast the, he broke the tie and uh, supported his own, <laughs> his own uh, order, his own ruling. So there you go. Yeah, I would like, uh, I'd just let him point out, uh, there's a certain absurdity uh, to this, this particular debate. 
Uh, and the uh, the absurdity is that the intimidation that Carlos uh, attempted to do, the bullying that Carlos did, uh, somehow knew to the Chicago City Council. And I'm laughing. I'm literally laughing. And I listen to the, uh, all these aldermen talk about it and how we must. It's, it's particularly Scott. Scott Wagesback knows. Come on, Scotty. You know how the game was played. Scotty Wagesback was an independent alderman elected in 2007 during the uh, last term of Mayor Daly. And as such, he really he really struggled with whether he wanted to vote for the funding, the full funding of the Olympics, uh, which was, of course, a debacle uh, and a terrible idea we were rescued from. Uh, by the International Olympic Committee. Thank you, International Olympic Committee. Uh, it would have been a 50 to nothing vote to give a blank check uh, to Mayor Daly, spend whatever he wanted in our, our property taxes and other money that we can raise for this uh, debacle, the Olympics. Scotty wanted to vote no. Mel told him, who was sitting next to him, Alderman Richard Mel. Uh, Mel's the 33rd ward. He was sitting right next to Scott Wagesback. Uh, and, and he told him, if, they, if you vote for this, you will be killed. Scotty told us a story at the hideout. McDumkey and I did a show at the hideout, my first show. And we had, excuse me, Richard Mel and Scott Waggis back there. That is bullying that even Carlos didn't try. And uh, so this notion that bullying began with Carlos Ramirez Rosa is, 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 this has always been intimidation in the Chicago City Council. There has always been muscling. There have always been threats. You're going to, if you don't go along, you're not going to get what you want. Another example that uh, Alderman Wagesback knows about, 2011, first budget for Mayor Rahm, Mayor Rahm's first budget, which was coming down right before they redrew the council boundaries. Mayor Rahm was proposing to close the mental health clinics. One of the cruelest ideas to come out of the Chicago government in this century, okay? It was 50 to nothing vote. Why? Because the aldermen were intimidated that if they didn't vote for Mayor Rahm's budget, he would punish them when it came to redrawing the legislative boundaries. So stop pretending that what Scott Waggis, excuse me, that what Carlos Ramirez Rosa did was so out of character with Chicago. If you want to say we're going into a new direction where aldermen will no longer be intimidated in any way, no longer be threatened, each vote will be considered as an alderman's precious uh, democratic affirmation one way or the other, then go there, say that. But don't pretend as though what happened by with Carlos Ramirez Rosa was so outrageous and so such an exception to the culture of the Chicago City Council. That's insulting to anybody who's followed the Chicago City Council uh, over the last few years, as Dave and I have. Almost 40 years for me, Dave Glowitz has been following it for about 30 yeah, I'm just a kid. Um, the um, <clears throat> the Progressive Reform Caucus, Progressive Caucus of <clears throat> Aldermen in the City Council, if I'm not mistaken, both Wagespeck and Rosso were members at the same yeah. time at some point, don't you, don't you think? Yes, they were members. There used to be a Progressive Caucus that was the uh, sort of the liberal uh, independent caucus. And then they, and then you had uh, the, the socialist Democrats, the democratic socialists, they became uh, more to the left than the progressives and the progressives uh, were uh, sort of taken over by Lori Lightfoot, who claimed she was, by the way, what Lori Lightfoot did to Jeanette Taylor, when she came off the council floor and got in her face, finger wagging, 
called a halt to the proceedings far worse than anything Carlos Mears Rosa Do you think did. that the I haven't I'm not that familiar with Rule 50. Could they have censured the mayor at that meeting? They could have moved to. They could yeah. have forced the mayor to get that lawyer. They always get that lawyer in the background with the part of telling oh, the whispers in the mayor's. Who, it hear, doesn't matter. Yeah, we're going to hear about him. Yeah, he's the, the, the mayor whisperer. Mayor whisperer. <laughs> Jeff Levine. You know, yeah. So you could have at least forced the issue. What, I'll repeat, what Lori Lightfoot did to, to Jeanette Taylor was far more outrageous than what Carlos Ramirez Rosa did. I didn't hear Raylo crying about that. I didn't hear Anthony Beal crying about that, you know. I didn't I didn't hear a move to censor the mayor. And they actually opposed Mayor Lori Lightfoot. So where was Scott Waggis back? You know where he was? He was the finance chair for Mayor Lori Lightfoot. So he kind of looked the other way when Mayor Lori Lightfoot came off the floor and really got into Jeanette Taylor's face. You know, and uh, so, you know, guys, stop pretending. Stop trying to fool us. I know you have a low respect for the voters of the city of Chicago. And I can understand why. But because they keep electing, they keep electing you, Alderman. But come Alderman on, Wagespec, treat us like we're that stupid. Go ahead. Alderman Wagespec really has uh, evolved. This yeah, time on the council. And I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now quote Delmarie Cobb, who was on the show last week. And uh, she said that, in her humble opinion, uh, you would not see uh, Alderman Anthony Beal or uh, Alderman Scott Wagespec behaving the way they are right now if Mayor Johnson had allowed them to be a chair of the committee. There you go. That's the Delmarie Cobb observation. I what word did I use before? Suborn? Yes. I love that word. I'm going to stick with it. Well, let's move on, shall we? Chris, yes, we'll, sir. Do, we'll do Sank next, please. Um, I'm going to go back in time a little bit. I mentioned earlier that right before the full city council meeting, there was a meeting of the Rules Committee, 1030. And they passed only one measure because they only had scheduled half an hour to go before the full city council meeting. And it was kind of interesting how it went down. And I think that's all I'll say about it before we do it. This starts with the committee chair, Alderman Michelle Harris. Let's listen. The resolution 2023-005108 referendum question regarding the public mental health clinic. There's a substitute for this item. Can I get a motion to accept the substitute? So moved by Alderman Dow. Go ahead, Alderman Lopez. On the motion to accept the substitute, I object and ask for a roll call vote on the matter. We will now have a roll call. Okay, public. You you have to allow us to, you, well then you, you're going to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the Sergeant at Arms to clear the room. Okay. Okay, everybody, a yes is to accept the substitute and move forward and a no is to deny the substitute the right. 28 yeas, 18 noes. The motion moves forward to accept the substitute. Automobile had a question. I'm just really, really perplexed that we have been actively trying to have a committee meeting um, and have dialogue and conversation about the ordinance to put the question of Sanctuary City on the ballot. And there, there has been an aggressive movement to prevent that from happening. If we're going to collaborate and work together and try to work things out, you know, my phone is always on. And nobody has ever called me and said, Alderman Bill, can you come in and we can talk about that ordinance? Nobody has ever called me. Now, I did get a call at 6.30 last night from Jeff Levine asking me to talk about a substitute. 
to the resolution. And I asked him to send it to me. He said, well, I can't send it to you, but I can read it to you. And I said, you know, that doesn't do me any good. And I said, you know, this is the 12th hour and now is not the time to try to negotiate without the person who sponsored the ordinance. So we have numerous amount of sponsors on that ordinance and we're all willing to sit down and collaborate. To put this forward, to try to squeeze out the ordinance of Sanctuary City, I think is doing a disservice to this entire city. To shut people out from having a voice is not what this city's foundation was built on. At the same time, you're asking us to let the people have a voice on Bring Home Chicago. So you want that voice, but you don't want the voice on Sanctuary City. I think this is really throwing fuel on the fire. To not talk to the people who sponsored the ordinance, I think, is a disservice. And so I respectfully ask everybody to vote this ordinance down, and we can still today bring the Sanctuary City Ordinance before this body. Alderman Lopez. Thank you, Chairman, and good morning, members of the Rules Committee. Hold on, Alderman, so we can hear you. Excuse me. Let the Alderman have his say. Allow me to read what actually the substitute of this resolution states. The original dealt with whether or not the city of Chicago should open more mental health clinics. And considering that our mayor, Brandon Johnson, said that he was committed to opening more and was going to budget to doing more, there was no reason to even have this as a question. It was simply a tactic, as my colleague said, to squeeze out the original question that was proposed, shall Chicago remain a sanctuary city? Now, the substitute question is as follows. Should the city of Chicago impose reasonable limits on the city's providing resources for migrant sheltering, such as funding caps and shelter occupancy time limits, if necessary, to prevent a substantial negative impact on Ch Chicago's current residents? Okay. That yes. is the he, question. He has the right to be heard. Oh, I, I don't think they're mad at me. <laughs> This question does not answer the issue as to why people continue to be shipped to the city of Chicago. And they are shipped here because we remain unabashed in saying a welcoming city, a sanctuary city, even though Republicans and Democrats are now taking full advantage of that. Okay. Madam Chairman. I Okay, I, we will clear the room and if we can't get order. All right, everybody. Everybody is to have a seat or you will be cleared out. Okay, let's clear the room, Sergeant in Arms. Please clear the room. Clear the room. We're going to stand at ease for five minutes while the Sergeant in Arms clears the room. We are going to recess this meeting until Thursday the 16th at noon. So as you might imagine, there were a lot of people in the audience getting very exercised about <clears throat> the idea of sanctuary city status and the migrant humanitarian opportunity. What is, I keep forgetting what the administration calls it. They don't call it a crisis humanitarian endeavor. That's a, um, a lot of syllables, I remember that. Yeah, they've, they've moved away from the word crisis as opposed to calling it an opportunity. They're yeah, not they quite think, there yet. Uh, it'll take them a while to get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the um, the dynamic 
that's evident here um, is something that regular listeners will know about, and namely that when there are municipal elections, <clears throat> the city can opt, the city council can opt to craft uh, up to three questions that they would like voters to weigh in on. Mm. And it's a game played uh, for elections that um, some, some aldermen want to have some very uh, poignant and uh, probative and democracy-laden questions, and others uh, want to uh, fill the question list with meaningless, yeah. poor, poor questions. And so that's uh, kind of uh, what was going on over here, Yeah, an accusation. Your thoughts, Ben? Oh, yeah, I have many thoughts on this one. I, I said a few of them up top. Well, I'm so sorry, I should also point no. out that the, the ballot, the uh, referendum items that they're talking about would, would go on the March 19th, 2024. That's correct, the uh, primary. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let me just say this, uh, Alderman Raymond Lopez, I hope you're listening. Uh, I, I'm with you on this one. Uh, absolutely uh, agree with you uh, that uh, the the city, uh, the mayor uh, should allow Sanctuary City to go on the ballot. Uh, I think that it, this is just a reminder of what Mayor Rahm did uh, to force um, questions of whether we have an elected school board off the ballot. And I, you know, I uh, wish you had joined us uh, in support of that endeavor. Uh, Alderman can, I, Lopez. can I interrupt you? Our yes. Zoom call is about to end. Okay, so, so I uh, uh, I wish you had uh, stood up there, but uh, yeah, we should have democracy and we should take a stand and I that we should force the people of the city of Chicago to confront the issue, uh, whether having a sanctuary city status is, as Aldrin Raven Lopez said, the reason immigrants are coming to Chicago. I think he is so wrong uh, in his analysis. Uh, I urge everybody to listen to Juan Gonzalez. Uh, too bad the city council doesn't listen to Juan Gonzalez. We did the interview with him last week. But at the very least, I'm with Alderman Lopez 100% on the matter of let's put it on the ballot. Let the voters decide if they want to go in the Trump direction. That's a powerful statement. Well, Ben, that's all I've got. Listeners, Ben and I had a longer discussion on a couple other items not covered in this interview. If you'd like to hear that, please go to the extended version of this interview found at the Inside Chicago Government website, shygov.com. That's C-H-I-G-O-V.com. Go to the Chicago menu and choose City Council. Ben, thanks a bunch for having me today. Thank you, young man. That's Dave Gloss. I also want to thank producer Chrissy. does an outstanding job. And I know Ray Lowe and Dave Gloss will agree with me when I say, hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, get columns from Ben Jarofsky, and a bunch of other great reader columnists. It's all at chicagoreader.com. It's one-stop shopping right there for you. If you want to follow Ben on Instagram, it's going to be at Benny J Show. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms. I know I always say that, but make sure this time I'm going to ask you over the holidays, tell a friend about the Ben Jarofsky Show. Tell a family member, say, hey, even if it's a family member you think might disagree with the show, tell them we're going to we're going to stir up the pot this holiday season. All right. Take care, everybody.